Hello, this is Dave Chapin. Welcome to the second episode of the Wolf Sports Show for the 2022 NFL season. For this week's show, we're going to look ahead to week two. The matchups after last week, we uh, did a rundown of all 32 teams with uh, power rankings. However, before getting to week two, I want to start with a recap of a few things from week one. Starting with the Bills destroying the Rams to open the year in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. The Bills lived up to the hype. They look like a total juggernaut both sides of the ball. The offense, I mean, they haven't punted in three of the past four regular season games. The first time that's ever happened since punts have been like recorded since, I think, 1939. Josh Allen as a thrower and a runner. He just does what it takes to keep getting first downs and moving the ball and then scoring touchdowns when they get in the red zone. And aside from... I guess just one throw. The interception was slightly behind, but it was a fine decision. Allen was basically flawless in the game last Thursday night. And for the defense, remember, they didn't have Tredavis White, who's one of the best corners in the league, if not the best, maybe. Sean McDermott's defense is always tough to move the ball and score on. And they look even more explosive now with Von Miller added to the mix. I said to look for that last week, him being like the difference and his impact was certainly felt last week when he was on the bill side instead of the Rams side Miller might be the piece to get Buffalo over the hump to advance to a Super Bowl and win it all this season and defensive end Greg Rousseau he he was looking good last week I think he had a sack and he flashed first round pick last year entering second season and now with Von Miller as sort of a mentor to him so yeah the Bills living up to the preseason Super Bowl favorite hype after one week and their massive favorites against the Titans, who are a good team, this Monday night. And for the Rams side, you can't really win much if your offensive line's struggling, so that's definitely concerning. Jalen Ramsey hasn't looked great uh, in week one, and in the Super Bowl, he didn't look great either. Although the T. Higgins, it was a face mask on the long touchdown against them. And offensively, and really almost overall last week, Cooper Cup is basically carrying the Rams. On offense, Matthew Stafford obviously feels really comfortable looking to him, throwing to him. That said, and Sean McVay indicated this, they have other pieces, including free agent acquisition Allen Robinson that they can get the ball to. And there were times where Robinson was open and Stafford, for whatever reason, didn't pull the trigger. Maybe the offensive line struggling. So we'll see if the Rams can get going this week as they look to defend their title. A couple of other big stories. The injuries, unfortunately, TJ Watt is going to miss time with the pec injury. But on the plus side, it looked like he might have been done for the season. And thankfully, he doesn't need surgery. He's expected to miss six weeks. He was placed on IR this morning. So that's great news overall. The Steelers got started with a win this season against the Bengals in that crazy game. And if they can stay like above 500, near 500, for around whenever Watts back, week seven, week eight, around there, the reigning defensive player of the year, he'll be a massive boost whenever he's back. And he's in some ways the heartbeat of the team. And then Dak Prescott, just bad luck, um, hit his hand on a follow-through on a throw and broke his thumb. 
on his right throwing hand. The Cowboys haven't placed him on injured reserve because that would mean he wouldn't be able to practice until he's taken off, which is a minimum of four weeks. They're hoping he can practice before then and return sooner than the six to eight weeks that was initially expected. Dallas is somewhat optimistic about the recovery and to get to where they want to go, which is a championship. They need him back as soon as possible, especially with the three other teams in the NFC East winning in week one. And then another story from the Sunday night, the Bucks defense. I know Dak got hurt, left the game, but under Todd Bowles, they were flying around. I think they've long been an underrated unit since their Super Bowl run a couple of seasons ago. The front four gets pressure. The linebackers, Levante David and Devin White, they just fly around like crazy, and the secondary also flies around. So the Cowboys were the top-scoring offense last season. Again, I know Dak left, but they held him to three points out of the end zone. So that was highly impressive. And we'll get to more on the Bucks later. They play the Saints this week. So now we'll jump to week two, look at all 16 matchups. The Thursday night football game to kick off this week tonight in Kansas City is one I've been looking forward to for a while. Not only because it's an epic matchup between the Chargers and the Chiefs, but it's the first game that's exclusively on Amazon Prime. I like the team Amazon has put together for its NFL coverage, including or headlined by Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet in the booth. I watched the preseason game between the Texans and the Niners last month, and it was really a high-quality broadcast. Definitely one of the best already. One issue, I don't think it's going to be in 4K. The preseason game was not. I haven't been able to get an answer on that. It does not look like it will be 4K, though, and I would think we'll have to get 4K soon. Last year, the Thursday night games on Fox were in 4K, so that's a bit of a downgrade there. The plus side is the streaming quality for Amazon is better than cable is. I guess the cable is compressed, the video quality, so we should get a crisp picture even if it's not 4K. Overall, I know a lot of people don't like Amazon having the game. I think they'll be happy that it's a high-quality broadcast, though. And as for the game, these two teams in a FC West matchup, they had a classic last year on Thursday night, late in the season. Kelsey had the walk-off uh, game-winning touchdown in overtime. The Chargers will hopefully have Derwin James locked in and healthy staying on field all game tonight. And he's somewhat of a kryptonite for Kelsey, relatively speaking. It's tough to stop Kelsey, but James is a phenomenal safety and did a good job on Darren Waller last week. So I'm looking at that matchup for sure. However, the Chiefs, as I said last week, this new look offense, it it's going to be tough to stop, I think, with Mahomes as the trigger man with really a deeper set of weapons to throw to now, even though they don't have Tyreek Hill. Mahomes always lights it up week one, 18 touchdowns, zero picks in his career on week one, and he had five touchdowns last week with uh, no interceptions. We'll look to stay hot at home tonight, hosting a Chargers team led by Justin Herbert, who is also playing quarterback at an extremely high level. LA won't have Keenan Allen, but we'll see if Mike Williams can step up and have a big game after he did last season against the Chiefs in an upset win on the road. Williams was quiet in week one, so look for more from him tonight. 
and I was really impressed with the Chargers defense last week against the Raiders. Asante Samuel Jr., Devontae Adams, he got his on 17 targets. Still, Samuel held up well when he was up against Adams, considering how great of a player Adams is. And Samuel looks confident, which you need at corner. And hopefully the Chargers have J.C. Jackson, who's coming back from an ankle issue. Hopefully he's ready to go tonight. That would be a major boost for them. And his team debut last week, Khalil Mack had three sacks, so that's big him and Joey Bose off the edge. On Sunday, the Patriots face the Steelers. We hit on T.J. Watt being out. Minka Fitzpatrick had a pick six early, like right away for the Steelers last week against the Bengals, and that helped key their eventual overtime win, which, again, it was a crazy game at the end. Najee Harris remains banged up early this year. We'll see if Pittsburgh can get him going on offense. The defense looked much tougher against their own in week one against Joe Mixon and the Bengals. I said to look for that. Um, after last year, wasn't up to their standards really defensively in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are surprisingly two and a half point underdogs this week at home against the Patriots, so that's kind of surprising and interesting. Uh, the reasoning for Vegas, I'm not really sure, but they typically are on it. Mac Jones, he was banged up last week against the Dolphins on a high hit that was potentially it was it was flagged, it was penalized. It was pretty uh, egregious, I guess, uh, the high hit launched at him. The good news is he's going to be ready to go this week. New England's defense played well. The offense, again, it just struggled, couldn't really get much going. So that's a continuation from the summer and something to keep an eye on. Again, the Steelers' run D looked good last week. Running the ball might help the Patriots get going. So we'll see how much they want to test the Steelers' run D this week with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. I expect this will be a really good game, two of the league's best franchises and always competitive teams every season. All right, I'm going to speed it up for these next few matchups. Panthers, Giants. It looks like Saquon Barkley is definitely back. He ran with major edge and attitude last week. Basically put the team on his back in the upset win over the Titans in which he scored the game-winning two-point conversion. He looked like he was going to be stopped and just made a couple guys miss, got in the end zone for the go-ahead points. And on the other side is Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers coming off a disappointing loss to the Browns. It took the offense a little bit to get going. McCaffrey, he had like three carries pretty deep in the game. I don't know if it was deep in the second quarter. Carolina needs to get McCaffrey going early, make things easier on Baker Mayfield and the rest of the offense. I think the Panthers can have a really good defense. The Giants played better than I expected on defense last week, and they do have a pretty good front and contain Derrick Henry. So this might be a defensive battle, but it feels like a strange game a little bit, and I think it should be a close one as the Panthers look to avoid 0-2 and the Giants slip to get off to a 2-0 start under Brian Dayball, who was pumped up after last week's win. Next up, sticking with the New York, another New York team, uh, the Jets. Go to Cleveland to face the Browns. The defense didn't struggle as much as I thought they might against Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. The offense did struggle. They couldn't get much going. Robert Sala said he's taking receipts from those that mock the Jets right now, which is, that's fine, but I don't know if it's something he needs to be saying publicly when they haven't really done much. And they're like crowned off-season champions like every year it seems like, and then nothing really happens during the season. We'll see if they can change that. They need to 
at least be competitive, if not get a win this week at Cleveland. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they paced the Browns last week with the run game in the win against the Panthers. That's going to be the formula, obviously. Have a dose of Nick Chubb with Hunt thrown in there and doing damage against uh, worn-down defenses. The Colts faced the Jaguars. I thought the Jags had it at the end last week when they took the lead against the Commanders. Couldn't quite hold on. There were some missed opportunities there, including early a potential touchdown on a wheel route to Travis Etienne that Trevor Lawrence overthrew just a little bit. In his first game for the Jags, Christian Kirk, who got a huge contract that raised some eyebrows this offseason, he looked really good. Had over 100 yards, looked like a true number one receiver. And expect him and Etienne and then James Robinson had a good return from his Achilles injury. Expect them to be featured heavily all year. And on defense, second row pick, Trevon Walker, he had a sack and an interception in the first game. And the athleticism really flashed in the size, and he should be really confident to begin his career with that type of performance. And the upside is obviously immense for him. For the Colts, the talk was they wanted to limit Jonathan Taylor's touches a little bit, but he had 35 carries. It wasn't overtime, so the extra time there in an eventual tie, so an extra 10 minutes of game time. But he did have 35 carry, or thirty-five touches in week one. So that was interesting. I mean, he's he's the engine of their offense, and... Good things are going to happen when he's getting ball. Matt Ryan in the pass game got going late to force overtime when they were down a couple of touchdowns. We'll see if they can carry that momentum into Jacksonville. And the Indy defense will hopefully have Shaquille Leonard make his season debut after he missed week one because of his back. The Dolphins faced the Ravens last season on Thursday night. Miami kind of made... The Ravens look pretty bad. Totally shut down their offense. A team like the Ravens is going to remember that. John Harbaugh is going to have his guys ready to play, I would think. Playing at home this Sunday. And the Dolphins' defense, obviously a little different. Brian Flores is no longer the head coach. And they might not have quite the same strategy where they really got after Jackson. Although they were aggressive last week against the Patriots. So we'll see if they employ a similar game plan as they did last season in the win over the Ravens. And with Miami's win over New England last week, Tua Tagovailoa moved to 4-0 against Bill Belichick, which is kind of shocking considering Belichick's typical success against young quarterbacks. And that's big for him and his team to have that type of confidence facing a team like the Patriots twice a year. I'm keeping an eye on Chase Edmonds against Baltimore linebackers this week. In the past game, that's going to be a matchup to watch, I think. And this should be a really good 1 o'clock game. The headline game of the early games, there's a few good ones, including Patriots-Steelers, who we already mentioned. The headliner, though, is Bucks saints The Saints are 4-0 in the past two regular seasons against Tom Brady, but the Bucks had that playoff win a couple of years ago on their way to a Super Bowl. Chris Godwin completed his awesome return from a torn ACL last December and played last Sunday night in week one. However, he left early with a hamstring injury. So it's unfortunate he's not going to play this week unless some something really unexpected happens. So he won't face the t- Saints team that he was injured against last December. 
and not having Godwin could be a major factor this week, considering how comfortable Tom Brady is throwing to him. However, Julio Jones, he looked really, he just looked like Julio Jones last Sunday night against the Cowboys. He looked as fast as I've seen him in a while. Confident, explosive, got down the field, could have had another deep catch, was just really, I guess, inches away from it near the front pylon on the left side. They used a jet sweep to get the ball in his hands. The Bucks, they should be fine. Receiver-wise, again, Brady's really confident in Godwin as a security type of blanket. But they still have Mike Evans, Julio, and Russell Gage in the mix, and then also Leonard Fournette. And I like how the Bucks ran the ball last week against the Cowboys. That could come up big against the Saints, who are typically tough to run on year after year for the past handful of years, really like the Bucks. Both these teams are always tough to run on. The Falcons were able to run on New Orleans last week, though. And we'll see if Fournette can get going, make it more favorable for third down situations to keep the ball moving and keep drives going. For the Saints, it didn't look good last week. I thought for sure the Falcons had that. Jameis Winston got hot in the fourth quarter in the comeback win. The defense after the Falcons did a nice job against them should be locked in this week against the Bucks team. They know they had the number of a bit but also that they need to come prepared for after last week not playing too well defensively. And the Saints were trendy pick to win the NFC South this season. I expect both teams to be really fired up for the divisional matchup. And as I mentioned, the Bucks held the Cowboys to three points last week, and the Cowboys were the highest scoring offense in the league in 2021. They might ultimately have the final say this Sunday. I think they have a shot to be the best Defense in the conference in the NFC this year. The final 1 o'clock game, Commanders against Lions. The Commanders were able to start 1-0. Carson Wentz, he had a couple of interceptions, but he threw four touchdowns. And the receiving core, as I mentioned last week, people are going to look foolish for laughing at the Jahan Dotson pick, 16th overall by the Commanders. He caught two touchdowns in his NFL debut. The Penn State product is just... He is just an awesome all-around talent. I touched on it last week. Great hands, everything. Great route running. And he showed that immediately. Dotson paired with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, who had, I think, eight catches last week on a lot of underneath stuff. That's tough for opposing offenses. Antonio Gibson looked good as both the runner and receiver last week. And when Brian Robinson is back, hopefully around week five, he'll be a Good addition to a talented offense. Defensively, the commanders should be challenged by a Lions team that scored 35 points against the Eagles last week in a comeback effort. It took the Lions a bit to get going in the passing game, but the run game with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams was hot immediately. The offensive line is now banged up along with Swift, but I would think they're going to be good for Sunday and should be able to protect Jared Goff and let him keep it going after he had a strong second half last week. And again, as the line showed in week one, they're going to battle every single week, and they're really not going to be out of a game. Maybe against the Bills on Thanksgiving, that might be tough, but as Dan Campbell looks to get his team into the playoff mix, this week is big for them to get a win, not just play really well and make it close or whatever, but to get a win. And this is the first time in 24 games that the Lions are favored. 
So things are definitely changing a bit in Detroit. For the four o'clock games, let's start with the Seahawks and the Niners. I don't want to look too much into the Niners struggling so much last week in that terrible weather in Chicago, but obviously not a good start for them. Remember, Trey Lance, this was really entering week one as the clear starter. The first time he's done that since 2019 when he was at North Dakota State. So it's been a while. It's going to take time. And beginning of the year in that type of weather was basically the opposite of ideal for Lance. And the defense let up a couple of big plays for their touchdowns allowed against the Bears. So I expect D'Amico Ryan's a company to get that cleaned up this week. And the Seahawks, that was basically, they were treating that like huge, almost a championship type of game last week against Russell Wilson and the Broncos, which is definitely understandable. Now they have to keep that going, keep that energy going as they head on the road for a quick divisional matchup. I'm not surprised at all, by the way, Geno Smith looked on Monday night. He's always thrown a really good and accurate ball. He just really, I think I said this last week, was almost in an unfair situation with the Jets, getting punched in the locker room and then not being the starter again. And you can see it was clear Geno's experience, even though he didn't play a ton over the past several years since he started a season opener. You could see his experience shining on Monday night. And he's really comfortable, and the Seahawks are confident right now. And I think they'll be better than mostly everyone thought entering the year. The Rams host the Falcons. Already touched on the Rams. I think a big point of emphasis this week will be getting out Robinson more involved. And against the Falcons, that's a team they do it against. Michael Thomas scored twice against Atlanta last week. And I wouldn't be shocked if Robinson has a big game on Sunday. Mentioned the Falcons being up big on the Saints last week before New Orleans came back. It was still a promising performance. Marcus Mariota and Cordero Patterson did a lot of damage on the ground against the Saints. And now I'd like to see Kyle Pitts get more involved in what should be not quite as difficult as a matchup. The Saints have been tough against him. Rams can be tough too. That we'll see if Pitts can get going this week. The Cardinals face the Raiders. Really, even at home, it was just not a good matchup for the Cardinals facing Andy Reid and the Chiefs in week one, who had plenty of time to prepare and just let it up through the air. It won't get easier going to Vegas to face the Raiders this week. The Arizona offense needs to get something going. Getting Rondell Moore back would help but allowing James Conner to get more touches on the ground could be big in helping control things a little bit. And for the Raiders, a tough loss to the Chargers last week. Derek Carr had three interceptions. I think it was for only the second time in his career. Was off accuracy-wise a little bit. That was uncharacteristic for him. Remember, and I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, teams that didn't play, like their starting quarterback skill, players, starters. They went 3-8 and eight in week one. I don't think it's just a coincidence. Same for the Bengals. That might have led to Joe Burrow's sluggish start. Throwing a quick pick six. You had guys like Allen played a series in the preseason. Mahomes always plays in the preseason. Brady typically always plays in the preseason. And they all did this year. 
And I mean, they came out, they won their games, they look good. I think not playing in the preseason. The good thing is your guy should stay healthy, which is what teams are going for, but it definitely has downside. It's not like people make it like you definitely shouldn't play. I think you should play a little bit as, I mean, if Tom Brady's playing, I don't see why all the quarterbacks can't be playing in the preseason, even if it doesn't count. So yeah, but Derek Carr's connection with Devontae Adams picked up where they left off when they were teammates at Fresno State. And a big positive for the Raiders, the defense did play really hard, I thought, against the Chargers to help keep them in the game and give them a chance at the end. That said, a lot of points might be scored this week between the Cardinals and Raiders in Vegas. The Texans face the Broncos. Again, really disappointing loss for Russell Wilson returning to Seattle. Another quarterback that didn't play in the preseason started off relatively slow, couldn't get much going with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy until Judy broke through for the long touchdown catch. I think the preseason did have something to do with that. Now they'll play at home, facing a Texan team coming off their tie with the Colts and might be a little extra tired, I guess, playing the extra 10 minutes. Bradley Chubb had two sacks after he got going against the Seahawks. Pat Sertan, he did a good job on DK Metcalf, and he's emerged already as one of the top corners in the league. After starting the season 0-1, we'll see if the Broncos can overwhelm the Texans and get back to 500. And for the Texans, I mentioned Damian Pierce as my offensive rookie of the year pick. It looked certain that he was going to be the lead back and get uh, maybe 20 touches per game. That was not the case in week one. It was really shocking. Rex Burkhead, I think he's good, but it was just the opposite of what the indications are and what they were saying. He led the backfield to start the season instead of Pierce. Head coach Lovey Smith said he wants to get Pierce more touches, and we'll see if that actually happens this week. The Bengals face the Cowboys, hit on the Cowboys in the Dak Prescott injury. Dallas has made it clear they're looking for more from C.D. Lamb to emerge as a true number one receiver and somebody that can just take over games like he did at Oklahoma. Lamb and the receivers face more of a challenge without Dak in the lineup. And now it's going to really be on the defense to step up and carry them to some extent. I said last week that they are a group that can do that and be the reason they win games. And they'll have to prove it quickly. They face the Bengals. Again, didn't play in preseason. Got going after a little bit of time against the Steelers. So they should come out sharper this week at Dallas. And they're seven and a half point favorites on the road. On Sunday night, Bears face the Packers. Packers are certainly motivated after they weren't really a match for the Vikings. On Sunday afternoon, they now play home at Lambeau Field, facing a Bears team that might be confident a bit and riding high after a win. So this profiles as a spot where Green Bay can potentially blow them out. We'll see what happens. The NFL, I'm sure, would like it to be close on Sunday night. I'm not sure, though, when I saw this on the schedule for Week 2. I was somewhat disappointed, thinking it might be a blowout. Matt Eberflus did start out with a win and got his team to play tough and shut down the Niners in those unideal conditions. So they might be able to control this game a bit and make it closer than expected and maybe pull off the upset and get to two now. For the Packers offense, it wasn't a great start with the drop deep ball by Christian Watson. That happens though, and you could see his talent on display on it. 
Overall, there doesn't seem to be much chemistry between Aaron Rodgers and his receivers. With how much they sub guys in and out, that might not have helped, I don't think. The good news is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon at running back. I think they can play through them and have a lot of success. Not just because I have them both on my fantasy team. I'm anxious to see if they do that, though, and give them both like almost 40 touches combined each week. 30 to 40. They can both, as they showed last week, can catch the ball. Obviously, we know what Jones can do as a receiver, and Dylan, he showed it last season, that he can be a legit force there. And he showed it last week with good hands and led the backfield. But I think Jones will definitely get more involved this week on Sunday night. And Monday night, we have a doubleheader. Titans versus Bills. For the Titans, they felt in control against the Giants, and then Saquon Barkley sort of took over. Derrick Henry was unable to break a run that would have broken the game open, maybe. He's had success against the Bills in the past, Henry has. So we'll see if he can again this Monday night. It's the early game, 7-15 Eastern time in Buffalo, so you know that crowd's going to be crazy. School students in Buffalo are getting a half day because of the traffic. Also, I think they just want to give the kids off early, get them ready for the game, maybe. For the Titans offense, the depth of the skill position players, I think, was a bit overlooked entering the season. Rookie Kyle Phillips out of UCLA looks like a steal in the draft. He can get open. He led the team in receiving last week. Dontrell Hilliard at running back can be a matchup problem for defenses. Caught two touchdowns last week. Traylon Burks looked good on three catches in his first game. So we know Henry's going to be the focus. I'm interested to see how the other players do for Tennessee against the stingy Bills defense this week. For the Bills, I think they have a shot to go. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be tough when they face them. But I don't think they just look so good. I don't think 17-0 is off the table, to be honest. And they're surprising considering the Titans have had success against them in the past. They're nine and a half point favorites this week. And as said at the open, looking like worthy Super Bowl favorites entering the year. And then finally, another good one, Vikings-Eagles at 8.30. This is pushback a little bit, the Monday night uh, doubleheader, second start. This is in Philadelphia. Kirk Cousins started his career 0-9 on Monday Night Football. He has won his last two. They've both been against the Bears, so we'll see what happens this week. But they should be confident after the way they handled the Packers last week. And Justin Jefferson just totally went off. The Eagles are going to be cognizant of that. They have Darius Slay and also James Bradbury. We'll see if Slay follows Jefferson around or if they just double him all night, like legit doubles and don't let him get as wide open as he did last week. Jalen Hurts looked about as good as he has as a passer last week. There's been talk that he's improved there. Him and A.J. Brown immediately, they were just clicking and on the same page, and they're their best friends, so it's not surprising. Devontae Smith had no catches in the opener, and he's too good for that to happen. They've been saying even though they scored 38 points, they still want to get Smith the ball more, and he might have a big game on Monday night. For the Vikings, I mentioned being excited about their defense, Daniel Hunter being healthy now, Darius Smith on the other edge. They got pressure on Aaron Rodgers last week. They can get pressure even against a good Eagles offensive line this week. The difference might be Hurts' ability to escape pressure as he did last week against the Lions and just run when he needs to. 
he's not afraid to run as much as is necessary to move the ball and score points. As for the Eagles defense, Jordan Davis had a strong debut. I think it was just 22 snaps, but the run D was much improved when he was in there. They did get gashed by the Lions. They were all on the ground, and then the pass game for the Lions did get going too. So they need to be focused and sharp facing a potent Vikings offense on Monday night to cap week two. And it should be a two excellent games, hopefully, to end the week. Also, I want to mention the Monday night broadcast with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman is just really, I mean, we're going to miss them on Fox, but Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson and then Tom Brady eventually when he is on Fox after he retires will be great. And overall, I think it's a plus to have Buck and Aikman now leading the Monday Night Football booth, which has just really been in flux for years under ESPN. So we'll end this episode of the Wolf Sports Show there. Again, keep an eye on teams that struggled last week after not playing in the preseason to potentially have a better go around in week two after seeing 60 minutes of action in week one. Again, the first game on Amazon Prime tonight and then capped off by a Monday night doubleheader. Should be another great weekend. Thank you for listening and enjoy the games.